Hey, did you know it's almost time for Wartstock? Join us at Warner Park on Sunday, May 21st from 11 to 7. We'll have a wide variety of live music with headliner Ugochi. We'll also have food and craft vendors, an arts activity area, and plenty of space in beautiful Warner Park. Find out more at wortfm.org. I'll see you there. Six foot six above sea level. I grab my mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. We bring the truth to places. And good afternoon. Welcome to this, the Thursday edition of A Public Affair. I'm your host for this hour. My name is Alan Ruff. The union representing approximately 450 employees at Madison-based CUNA Mutual Group, that is the Office and Professional Employees International Union, the OPIU Local 39, a week ago announced plans to strike beginning tomorrow, Friday, May 19th. The union held a strike authorization vote a month ago in which 92% of its participating members voted in favor of allowing the union's bargaining committee to call a strike if necessary. So what are the key issues and concerns that have led a strong majority of Local 39's members to turn toward what has always been the tactic of last resort of labor in its struggle to improve or protect work conditions? Will there be a strike tomorrow, and if so, why? With us, to, to, excuse me, with us today to discuss the issues at hand and where things stand one day before what could become the largest area of labor action since the response to Act 10 are Sarah Lawrence Larson and Will Roberts. Sarah is an administrative specialist at CUNA, a union steward, and a member of Local 39's bargaining committee. Will, Will Roberts is a multimedia specialist at the company and is part of the union's contract action team. First off, imagining how the two of you must so busy. <laughs> Excuse me. It's one of those days again. Started. First off, imagining how busy the two of you must be, I want to welcome you both to WRT, Sarah Larson and Will Roberts. Thank you. We're happy to be here. Thanks, Alan. In last week's official announcement of the decision to strike, Local 39's leadership noted that it had not seen needed movement by the company to avert a strike to counter what it, the 39, has deemed the company's unfair labor practices. So where do we begin? Where do we start in providing our listeners some context for this local dispute between labor and capital? potentially the most significant in years. Perhaps we should begin by giving some sense of what CUNA Mutual is. I think there's a lot of misconception about the company. Um, What does it do? Uh, So yeah, CUNA Mutual Group is uh, a financial services company, like an insurance company that's been around for... I think over 85 years now at this point, it was founded in the wake of the Great Depression as a company that was going to help provide credit unions, um, financial products and services. So um, it's a it's very much a part of the credit union movement. So uh, over the years, CUNA Mutual Group has provided financial products and services to credit unions and uh, insurance products, things like that. And it's uh, definitely a long, long-standing company here in Madison. The company appears to be doing quite well, judging from the large-scale reconstruction of its campus on Mineral Point Road and its uh, reported high rates of profit. Um, and on the uni side, there's something called CMG United. What is that? CUNA Mutual Group United is what it stands for. It's our uh, it's our campaign, I would say. It's uh, we, the uh, represented workers who work at CUNA Mutual Group, who uh, are who number about 450 of 
the employees at CUNA Mutual Group. Um, we are in the union. We're bargaining this uh, this contract. Sarah's been in it from for over 14 months now on the bargaining team. This has dragged out for a very, very long time. I would also say that CUNA Mutual Group United is our is our sort of um, outward facing presence in the community. We we go by that name on our social media platforms. So how and interact with the community. So, so how long? I was interested to find out how long uh, there's been a union at CUNA. Talk about that a moment. That this is that they've been been in existence for decades and decades. The union has, uh, and that this may might be the first strike. It is. Um, uh, we have been a part of Keenan Mutual Group since we were chartered in 1945, so we're almost as old as the company is, um, and it will be the first strike in the history of the company. Might either of you, or both of you, of course, talk about the ongoing dispute? It, let's start with its origins and, and give a little history, a little background for our listeners. Well, we started bargaining in fe- February of last year, 2022, uh, and our contract expired uh, March 1st, 2022. So we've been 400 plus days without a contract. Um, the, the company has dragged its feet um, in every possible way um, during bargaining um, up to and including breaking federal labor law. Um, in uh, multiple ways. Talk talk about how talks broke down in uh, January of 23. Why was that? Talks broke down because the company changed uh, the status quo around how we had been bargaining and started to insist that we bargain in person when we had written communications agreeing to bargaining virtually, um, and that is the way that we had been bargaining the entire time. Um, They also withdrew status quo of furnishing the bargaining team with pay so that we could do so during the day, essentially backing us into a corner where we, uh, we couldn't bargain during the day without forgoing a paycheck or, and, we, some of the bargaining team lives outside of Dean County and would have to commute in person um, after work um, to bargain in person. And so because this is a permissive subject of, um, of bargaining, um, the, it's, it's not allowed. They, this, so t- we stopped negotiating meeting at the, at the bargaining table. Uh, in fe- Will, were you going to say? Oh, I was uh, gonna add on to what Sarah was saying, and that, and let me know if you disagree, Sarah. But um, the, the 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 breakdown of negotiations that happened in January is it was it, it wasn't it didn't come out of nowhere, right? Um, by the time that January rolled around, we had already been bargaining for a long time, and uh, over the course of last year and longer, even like we had been. Um, holding informational pickets outside of, of, of the corporate headquarters in Madison, uh, trying to get the word out about how the company was not making significant movement even before January of this year. Uh, and so it has been a long time coming that uh, they've been dragging their feet out. And this is just the kind of latest step in their uh, you know strategy to get us to cave in um, and accept an unfair contract because we're tired of it. You know, I think that's their, that's their idea that it's just going to go on so long and then eventually we'll just agree to it. But um, it's kind of had the opposite effect. It's kind of fired us up and obviously we've authorized this strike uh, last month and tomorrow it begins. In its public statements, um, OPIU th- Local 39 has stated or charged that the company 
no longer is engaging, has stopped engaging in good faith bargaining over a range of issues. Uh, talk about some of those issues. We'll go into more detail as the hour progresses, hopefully. Uh, but what was that based on? Uh, so there are a number of unfair labor practices that we've filed with the National Labor Relations Board. Um, uh, as you said, one is a refusal to bargain in good faith. Um, uh, they refuse to continue meeting in the same way that they had prior for 11 months. Um, they unilaterally ceased uh, providing bargaining pay. Um, they refused to meet at all from January until mediation began in May. Um they um, they violate our contract by the yeah the use of uh, their use of contractors. Um, go go into they, that, go into that a little bit. The use of contractors. So, our union has lost twelve hundred uh, positions over the last twenty years. Um, Ten years ago, we were uh, seven hundred and fifty. Today, we are 450 um, in the union. Um, they, they violate the contract by um, essentially creating positions that are the exact same thing as bargaining unit jobs and calling, they call them something else. Or um, lately, they've taken um, uh, jobs that would they have in the past called contractor jobs and started calling them consultants. So um, they try to skirt the, the contract by, um, by these sorts of things. Will? Yeah, um, before we get too far away from it, I want to point out about the, the unfair labor practices that Sarah was talking about uh, are actually what we are specifically striking over. Those, uh, you know, refusal to bargain in good faith, all of those things that Sarah said, what we're going to go out on tomorrow, starting tomorrow, is an unfair labor practice strike, which is um, a specific, you know, kind of strike that has uh, certain legal protections, uh, ad additional legal protections for those of us who will be going out on strike, uh, as opposed to an economic strike, which, um, you know, you might see in, in, in other places. But what we're doing tomorrow and into next week is an unfair labor practice strike. And to add to that, I think what, what most people think of when they think of strikes are economic strikes. So this unfair labor practice strike um, protects members. Um, it, it makes it illegal for the company to lock us out um, or, or to replace us. You're listening to Sarah Larson, who is an administrative specialist at CUNIT, a union steward, uh, and a member of Local 39's bargaining committee and Will Roberts, multimedia specialist at the company who is part of the union's contract action team. Per usual, we'll be opening up the lines at half past the hour at 608-256-2001 if you want to join in this conversation uh, with a comment, an observation, a question. Give us a call again, 608-256-2001. The company's negotiators requested mediation shortly after the union's the union's that authorization vote, which the union agreed to. That is, the company requested mediation, and the union agreed to it. But then it broke off. They didn't. What? They, what was that? What happened there? Was there a no-show? Am I getting that right or wrong? <laughs> I'm sorry, just repeat the, repeat yeah, the question. Yeah, sure. The company's negotiators requested a mediation shortly after the, the, after the union's uh, authorization vote to strike, uh, which the union agreed to, but then it didn't happen. What, what went on there? Well, so we are in mediation right now. We've had two, two sessions so, so far, um, and the company uh, requested more. Um, we offered a number of dates to bargain without the mediator because he wasn't available and the company rejected all of those those dates so they 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 refused to bargain 
Um, they refused to bargain with us without the mediator present. And then there was the mediation session on um, May 10th. The uh, The union's bargaining committee, which you're part of, Sarah, uh, presented a comprehensive proposal making marking a significant movement. And although the company did not have a response to the May 10th proposal uh, or the session, it proposed two additional dates before the strike deadline. So you just mentioned that. One of them they canceled and one of them we had last night. So it's going it's going down to the wire. Mm-hmm. And it's up the they, movement that we saw last night was not enough to avert a, avert a strike on Friday. In his update to to the membership on Monday, Chief Union Steward Joe Avica reiterated that the union's bargaining committee was hopeful that mediation could still be fruitful enough to avert a strike. Um, He quoted as saying, uh, we are 100% committed to reaching an agreement if that is possible. Uh, The parties were slated to to hold uh, three three mediations the past few days. You've mentioned that's going on. Sarah, I want to, as a member of the union's bargaining committee, you recently pointed out that while the union has been without a contract for more than 400 days, the committee tried every means possible to negotiate and move the company towards uh, members' core priorities, which I want to get to uh, get back to in a bit. But you went on to say, we can honestly say we have exhausted every option, and a strike is the only thing left to do. That suggests uh, uh, considerable intransigence, at least my reading on that, suggests uh, some incredible trans- intransigence, intransigence on the part of management. Do you think that's the case? Why do you think that's the case? I do. I do think that's the case. Um, I think they, they, they've dragged their feet in order to demoralize us. Um, which the, the the feet dragging has done the opposite. Um, we may be small as small as we've ever been, but we've never been uh, more united. Um, and you know, I invite Will to, to jump in um, if I if I drop the ball on any part of your uh, multi-part question. Um, I was just looking up intransigence. Uh, and I agree. That's the case. <laughs> <laughs> to grab my dictionary, Alan. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're learning today. That's true. <laughs> no, I agree with Sarah. We have uh, never been smaller um, in number, but we've also never been stronger. Uh, the longer this goes out, or the longer this gets dragged out, I've noticed that um, there's more and more people joining our meetings, more and more people stepping up and volunteering and putting their time into this campaign. It's really remarkable to see. Um, and I don't see that stopping anytime soon. So it's, it's, it's really building up steam and momentum. Um, and so I think it's been a real strategic error on the company's part to drag this out for as long as they have. Uh, it's kind of interesting to me that they've chosen to do it this way. Uh, this could have been, settled over a year ago um but they're you know they i I think they think they won't i think they think uh we won't strike but that's not that's not the case we're prepared we're going to be on the picket line tomorrow i have said over and over again what a squandered opportunity i think it was on the part of the company um to, to to behave this way they could have position themselves as a premier destination for talent that respects their union, that wants to pay their, their, their employees, um, you know, a a wage and give them benefits that are in line with the value that we bring to the company wages that are at least on par with inflation. Right. Um, And they have not done that. Uh, and I, I would say, you know, it, it came to a head in um, just at the beginning of April when they made this stunningly unethical uh, decision to fire our chief steward. And he really is the symbol of our union, right? I, it, was, it was just such a thuggish thing to do that I, it, it left 
it 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 left membership stunned and at the same time co- coalesced us even greater or even more around this uh, this cause of, of getting a fair contract and insisting that the company stop breaking the law it was a real flashpoint for us i agree um and it's coming at such a crucial time for uh the company um i'm sure we'll get into this later in the program but they are planning to rebrand themselves like the big part of of what's going on with the company is that they are changing their name from cuna mutual group which they've been forever to uh true stage next week uh and they are kind of gambling with the reputation as they try to branch out into new markets at this point. Um, and it's from a strategic perspective, it is, it is a little bit baffling. You know, when I, uh, when I read the news, when I saw the coverage that, uh, Joey Vika, the, uh, basically head union steward, uh, was fired. I thought to myself, this is 19th century tactics. <laughs> It's this kind of retaliation, you know, get rid of the troublemaker, get rid of the organizer, uh, uh, and so on. And it kind of stripped away, at least uh, the way I'm looking at it, it kind of stripped away the, um, uh, well, the facade of, of, of a uh, progressive, forward-looking, uh, liberal firm. So uh, they terminated jo- Joe in response to a letter that we sent to credit unions, I can't remember if it was in December or January, um, where we said that because of the labor dispute, there there may be a uh, a, a disruption in services. Um, we obtained uh, the the contact information via um, a, a, a a third party um, company. Um, we did, uh, Joe did not, as the company said, access proprietary information to gain access to that contact information. Um, they surveilled Joe for months without uh, notice to Joe or the union. And when they put him on paid suspension, they engaged in a fishing expedition to find charges to eliminate Joe. So, I mean, it really is just as dirty as it can get did do you have any sense that the company may have hired uh anti-labor uh specialists to uh kind of carry on that kind of campaign yeah so they've um they as uh far back as at least the last uh contract before this one and and likely before but um that predates my my knowledge um they've always retained Jackson Lewis, which is just a notorious union busting law firm. And for Joe's due process um, interview and the investigation into whether he violated the code of conduct, they used Ogletree Deacons, which is another one. I mean, it's like two, two of the top three union busting law firms they, they retained the services of. 608-256-2001. If you want to get in with a, a question, a comment, an observation for our guests today, Sarah Larson and Will Roberts, give us a call. Uh, Chuck, my engineer, says, tells me that we already have someone waiting. So let's go to our first call this hour. Uh, hello, Joanne. You're on the air. Yes, wonderful show. Thank you for taking my call. I'd like to ask about a bargaining issue that's very important in terms of the future of of, uh, the enterprise. That's AI, artificial intelligence, and the writer's strike has made AI a big issue. Uh, if 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 CUNA, whatever it's be call, what it's calling its now it, it, itself now, whatever that is, if that organization takes on AI and restructures workers' jobs so that the workers have to work faster, get less credit, have less uh, authority over their jobs with AI, uh, the workplace could suffer. And I'm just wondering if you've introduced that uh, into your bargaining. Uh, again, great show. Thank you very much. I think I can answer that. We, 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 have, not, we have not addressed AI in this particular uh, contract. Um, 
I agree with you. That's uh, that all of our our jobs are on the line. I know that CUNA does um, uh, use AI in different applications. You know, it uh, sort of uh, when people call, you know, um, with a, a question regarding uh, one of their um, products that they, you know, they access through the, the company that there are like, um, you know, uh, I'm, not, I'm not even, I'm trying to remember. Chat loss. There you go. Thank you. That sort of thing. So, yeah, um, you know, it's, it, it starts with the kind of low, the, the, the lowest paid uh, positions uh, in the, in the, in the company, which are call center positions, which having worked in a call center, it was one of the most emotionally grueling and uh, low paying jobs I've ever had. And, and, and they should be paid much, much more. But yes, they, you know, they are the ones that at risk first. Um, and uh, CUNA Mutual has uh, done a, a really good job of um, th those aren't union those aren't represented positions, um, though they should be. Um, and so they've done that, you know, they've, they've made it so that those aren't represented positions through a number of ways. Although I know that the, the, the retirement services center is a, does have a call center and they, they are represented, but I don't know if that answers your question, Joanne. I think it's an interesting point that Joanne raises. And I think it underscores the point of protecting, uh, workers' rights uh, from from the jump, right? And so, as much as you can do to uh, have contracts in place, like what sounds like the WGA is doing and what we're doing, even though even though we don't specifically call out AI in our contract, um, we do want to you know reinforce our security, our job security, which is one of our big uh, points in that we are bargaining over. Um, and I think that uh, whether the 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 threat to undermine our job security comes from uh, contractors um, outside the barring unit, whether it's in, whether it's stateside, whether it's overseas, uh, or it's uh, artificial intelligence. Um, that's why we have contracts in place to protect ourselves. Well, well, I want you to continue on. That is, uh, in a statement put out by uh, uh, Local Thirty Nine, uh, you were quoted as saying that the threat of a strike is what made the company uh, sit down for mediation. Uh, we have to keep the pressure on to make sure that they're serious about a deal. Um, now, of course, if, if there is sufficient progress, which seems unlikely, getting down to the wire here, the union can still call off the strike. Based upon what you've seen, do you think a strike will be averted, possibly at the last hour? That's not uncommon, of course. At this point, they missed their opportunity to avert a strike. That came last night, and that was that. That was not what that was not what we saw. We did not see movement sufficient to avert a strike. Uh, we did not see good faith bargaining. Um, uh, we did we did not see uh, movement on uh, sufficient on our um, core priorities um, to avert a strike. They we can could. call it off at any time. Well, they they could call up the bargaining team at any point and say, you know, w like let's make a deal. We're ready to make a deal at any point, right? Like we could, uh, w we're not, uh, you know, precluding the opportunity to make make a deal. Uh, we've just seen how the mediation sessions have been going, and um, we're prepared to go out on strike tomorrow. Um, theoretically, hypothetically, maybe they could give Sarah a call and the rest of the bargaining team right now and say like, you know what, let's make a deal right now. Um, they would take the call. We don't want to go on strike, right? This isn't something that any of us want to do. We will miss out on five days of pay, but what the company's missing out on is 85 years of goodwill, right? And so uh, we're prepared to make that sacrifice to uh, draw attention to our struggle and to hopefully get the company to come back to the bargaining table and engage with us in good faith. You know, we have about, oh, uh, well, a while le left in the hour, but I want, so I want to focus in, <clears throat> excuse me, on the top five priorities, the key issues of concern uh, to union members. Um, <clears throat> they include, they include fair compensation, job security, remote work, 
retirement security, and quality and affordable health care. Let's start with fair compensation. What is that? What's at the crux of that issue, the, the heart? Wages on par with inflation. I mean, in in a, in a year uh, of record profits, there's no reason that the company should be asking us to take a pay cut. They've never not been profitable, um, and we have not gotten a raise since 2021. Will, yeah, the proposed. Uh, wage increases that the company has put forth um, really do amount to a pay cut is the long and short of it. And uh, they've actually, this is kind of an interesting wrinkle in the whole thing. They've been um, sending out the HR has been sending out communications to members uh, kind of throughout this bargaining process. uh, And they've set up some interest. They've done some some graph work, I always say, some interesting uh, skewing of the graphs. And uh, we have some very, very smart, very, very capable people um, on the bargaining team like Sarah and many others who were able to uh, see through the the graphs where like uh, you see like uh, this is what the company puts forth. We've got this bar for 2022, for example, and then this bar for 2023. It's way bigger. See how much we're giving you? Um and it's just squashed and skewed. Um, it's really remarkable. Uh, one of our stewards walked us through um, what they're showing us and showed how the math works out. This is this is just fake. This is uh, this is a pay cut. What they're what they're presenting, and they're just messing with the axes and all yeah. of this to make it look like uh, they're giving you a pay ra- a, 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 a raise. And um, it's really dishonest, and it kind of shows. And I think that's an interesting um, thing to point to, to how maybe they think of us. Uh, that kind of shows some disrespect here to think that we'll fall for something like that. The, the majority of uh, of the of the bargaining unit is IT people. They're like incredibly, I mean, we're all incredibly intelligent, right? But they are they are quite savvy. And so uh, within this presentation uh, that one of the, the bargaining team uh, members gave. He talked about something called a lie factor, and um, which is something which is a which is um, you can apply it to graphs. And a good lie factor for a graph is two. And the lie factor of this graph that that uh, Kuna created to um, show you know how great the raise is that we're trying to give you was twenty five. I mean, it was just shocking. I've got a whole host of unsolicited strategic advice for the company, but one of uh, my pieces of advice would be don't send the IT union graphs <laughs> that are lies. They will see through it. Um, Chuck tells me that we do have a caller online. Ron, hi, you're on the air. Hi, Alan. Thanks for the show. Uh, I, my question is, uh, how can we help you? Can we send emails to the company executives? These people operate in the shadows. Uh, all the articles I'm reading in the newspaper don't name a single executive. So I want to know the names of the executives. I want to be able to send them an email or a letter and put the pressure on the decision makers because uh, if you are interested in public support, I think you have to make this transparent to your supporters because uh, I realize you're trying to pick it and get the public support that way, but also putting the pressure on these decision makers who just go home in the evening to their suburban homes and just act like nothing's happening. Thanks, Ron. And uh, I want them to feel like uh, something is happening. I'll hang, hang up and listen. Thank you. Uh, what I would say, uh, and we'll jump in, um, is we, you know, I know not everyone's on social media, but we have a pretty robust social uh, media presence, I think. And um, so on any of the, the, the platform of your choosing, um, there is what's uh, called a link tree that um, when you click it, it will take you to a, a number of resources information into the history of our uh, 
contract campaign and, and how things have devolved over time. And um, specifically, I bring it up because there is actually a link to an, uh, a letter to our board that you can put your name to, um, and it will send it to all of their personal emails. 608-256-2001. Before we run out of time entirely, I want to get to uh, some of these other fundamental or central issues. Talk about the issue of job security. Uh, it was touched on earlier, so we don't have to spend a lot of time, but outsourcing contractor usage and also somewhat tangential or, or distantly related, the issue of remote work. Well, I can speak to the remote work pretty personally. Um because I am a remote worker. I don't live in Madison anymore. I, I did for five years, but right now I live in Iowa. Uh, I still am employed by CUNY Mutual Group. And um, right now the, the language in our contract um, or the arrangement that, is, that exists with the company right now is, d doesn't provide much protection for workers like me in our bargaining unit right now uh you know the company says you know we are committed to maintaining a remote work environment but uh we are able to see the way which way the winds are blowing on a national level and at other companies we see how uh without more specific and robust language protecting that remote work status that can change at any moment the uh the company can choose kind of arbitrarily right now as it stands to end this sort of uh, remote work um, arrangement and call everyone who works um, outside the office back to uh, back to the office, the, the, the in-person office. And we've got employees all across the country. I am one of the closer uh, remote employees. We have people who live in uh, on, 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 on each coast of the country and um, we want to secure our remote work status with uh, robust and clear language. They can't just be arbitrarily altered by management. If, if remote work is effective, if, if it produces, if it works, right, um, why would management want workers to return to the office? I can speak to that. Um... I um I have read and I have uh, uh, articles about you know um, other companies uh, nationally, but then also I have um, heard at my company that um, people struggle with uh, uh, at the, in management with leadership in a remote environment. So, um, however, remote work is the overwhelmingly preferred format for not only members of the union, but uh, just employees in general at CUNA Mutual Group. My cynical, <laughs> my cynical uh, theory, uh, uh, in addition to, to that, is that the company just spent $330 million. It, it went over budget. I don't know exactly how many hundreds of millions of dollars it was, but they just built a brand new fancy building um, that they uh, started right before the pandemic uh, forced us all to go remote, right? So they have this state-of-the-art, epic-level building sitting mostly empty, right? Um, and and I think that maybe management enjoys, you know, seeing other people in management's faces, but that's just not the lived experience of the majority of the employees at CUNA Mutual Group and elsewhere. Yep. Yeah, and regardless of the reasons why they want us back, uh, we've proven without a doubt that uh, remote work is obviously profitable and productive. We've, or, you know, the company has posted record profits throughout the pandemic, throughout uh, the last three years. And uh, that's because of the work that the workers do, right? Um, it doesn't just happen. It's not management. Uh, that's 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 blowing that off. It's the workers and um, the like a, a, a strong supermajority, like over 90 percent of workers went remote in the pandemic. And so the proof is in the pudding. 
Let's turn to the whole issue of retirement security. That is the issue of pensions. Um, uh, very, you know, very dear to me uh, since I'm a, a beneficiary of, of a, uh, a pension once removed. So talk about that a little bit, what the, the company has been attempting to do with that. So the company wants to freeze the pension for new hires, which will essentially create a two-tier system within the bargaining unit, which will sow discord. Um, they've already taken it away for uh, non-represented employees. Um, and you know, you, you have to just white, white knuckle every benefit because you never get it back. And it, this particular one, we offer retirement products. It just seems so hypocritical to take it away. But then also, it's, it would cost, by the company's own admission, over the course of our three-year contract, $189,000 to keep it in force. So it's just mean-spirited greed. I don't, I don't know what else to I'd chalk it up to. They just want to bring represented employees into parity with non-represented employees and that means taking away benefits. And they want to create that division, like you said. Like when the next the next uh, contract negotiations roll around, there's going to be, uh, you know, like you said, two tiers of uh, employees that will have some will have the pension, some will not, and uh, then some will be, you know, fighting to keep it. There, others will say, oh, I don't care about that. I don't, I don't have it in the first place. And so it's 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 uh, it's it's also a tactic to uh, divide us and weaken us. Talk for a brief moment about the issue uh, highlighted by the membership, that is quality and affordable health care. Well, um, so uh, I am one of the uh, people in the bargaining unit that takes advantage of um, the HMO uh, courts. Um, non-represented employees no longer have access to the HMO. Um, they access CDHP plans. Um, and so that is, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's only um, bargaining unit members in the Madison area who can take advantage of that. Um, and so we're, we're fighting also to get um, lower deductibles um, for the CDHP plans so that healthcare isn't a, you know, onerous expense. So let's talk about tomorrow. What's the plan at this point? Well, I just received a, I just received a text that said the strike is on 7 a.m. Be there, be square. <laughs> um, by be there, be square, do you mean, are you talking just about, <laughs> no, 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 seriously. Where it's at, Alan, you going to come? <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I've been known to show up, but yeah. uh, no, th th well, that was my question. Is this <clears throat> a, boy, <clears throat> sorry, folks. Everybody's welcome. Um, That's where we I was going, be, thanks. Yeah, picketing on uh, uh at, at corporate headquarters um, in Madison on Mineral Point Road. We are so excited at the at the support that we've um, seen from other uh, uh, labor organizations in the city. Um, they have our backs, like, and if they are to ever need ours, they will uh, us. We will have their back. Um, yeah, it's a. There's a word so for when that. When you pick a fight with one of us, you pick a fight with all of us. Uh, an injury to one is an injury to all, they used to say. Yeah. They still yep. do. Solidarity. <clears throat> Boy. Yeah, we'll be picketing Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday um, as it stands right now. Um, we welcome all community members to join us. We welcome anybody who uh, can make it to be there in person. Otherwise, uh, we've got on our uh, link tree, as Sarah mentioned earlier, we've got a strike support GoFundMe going. Um, follow us on social media, spread the word, uh, all that stuff would be amazing. So, so what else do you think, can, <clears throat> if you had a crystal ball, which we don't have, where's it going to go? Do you have any sense? 
I think the company is uh, girding themselves for a strike. I think they believe that their business resiliency and crisis response um, is going to be enough to uh, to um, bring them through uh, the strike. Um, from what I know to be true about the majority of um, our bargaining unit um, being IT, um, there are a lot of legacy systems. There are a lot of things that are held together with duct tape and gum that uh, need their subject matter expertise to fix. Um, and the use of contractors is not going to fit. It's not going to fill the bill. Um, I know my husband also works at CUNA. Uh, he is in IT. He spends all day long walking contractors through how to fix things that break. It's, I, it feels like that's what he, that's his main job is to, is to hold the hands of contractors. Yeah. I think the company is going to learn over the course of this strike, something that we already know. And that's the, this company can't work without us, um, without the represented employees at work. Things aren't going to go very well. You know, at some level, the um, strike at CUNA at this point in time um, can have <clears throat> more ramifications, more importance um, than the particular issues, um, why people are, are willing to go out. That is as a symbol of <clears throat> uh, a symbol, a message to the rest of the country around organi uh, that or organized labor is not dead, that even in Wisconsin where uh, Scott Walker in Act 10 tried to kill it. Uh, it's it's not going anywhere. Have you thought about that, the bigger ramifications? Absolutely. This will be the first realized strike in 12 years. And I know that during the, uh, during the uh, Act 10 um, excitement, that was a sick out. That was not a strike, right? So if you, if you, if you are looking solely at strikes, this is the first strike in a very, very long time. And it's symbolic not only of the fact that people are just tired of the unremitting slog of making ends meet in the face of like rapacious corporate greed. Um, we're white collar workers doing this, right? Um, uh, this is not this is not what I think a lot of people think strikes th think of when they think of strikes. I think they think of, you know, like four kind of uh, beleaguered, you know, men in hard hats around a burn barrel. Like this is, that's not what this is. This is going to, this is going to be huge for the state um, and, and nationally. Certainly we're at the forefront of labor in the city. I would argue the state. Will, <clears throat> Will Roberts, a follow-up? Yeah, I, I think that, we all see what's going on throughout the country right now. Obviously, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but the writer strike that's going on um, is uh, hugely inspirational and in solidarity with the writers on strike right now. And uh, we see these sorts of uh, labor movements and labor campaigns um, popping up all over the all over the, con the the country right now. And that is it's it's a chain reaction. Um, a and I think something that uh, Joe said at our May or at our at our press conference when we announced that we've authorized this uh, ULP strike um, is that labor victories are contagious, and so that when we are uh, f fighting for workers' rights here, we're fighting for workers' rights everywhere. Um, rising tides, lifting ships, all of that. When it happens. Here, it can happen somewhere else. When it happens somewhere else, it can happen here. If people want more, inf <clears throat> if people want more information, where can they get it? Follow us on social media, um, and any of those uh, links will get you to our link tree. As Sarah mentioned, on Twitter, we're at CMG underscore United. Um, on other platforms, we're some variation of at CUNA Mutual Group underscore United or something like that. Um, it sounds like the link will be in the show's posting, which is excellent. Uh, but at that link, you'll see the, the GoFundMe that to support our uh, striking workers. 
um, and all of the other links that we've mentioned. I would also mention um, if you Google OPEIU39, you will see in the top result our site. If you click on it, and you uh, you'll see at the in the header CMG United. That's another really great um, uh, resource. <clears throat> so, um, sorry about this. My throat's uh, really messed up all of a sudden. <clears throat> um, so, I expect to, that will to be my... us in a couple of days. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said I expect that will be us in a couple of days. If you, <laughs> if you show up on the if you show up at the picket, Alan, we won't make you <laughs> scream and do a bullhorn. <laughs> <laughs> people, people got somewhere in the listening area. Somebody just applauded. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <clears throat> it was actually going. I wanted to repeat the uh, uh, that call for to uh, for tomorrow morning, beginning at what time in the and for those of you not familiar, what's the, what's that address at uh, on Mineral Point Road? Fifty eight ten. So fifty eight ten is the brand new shiny building. That's we will be picketing outside of that. And and beginning beginning at what time? Seven in the morning? Did you say? I think it starts at eight, but if you show up early, we'll have something for you to do. Um, <laughs> uh, we're going to be going all day, uh, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Uh, so yeah, show up in the morning, show yeah. up in the afternoon, hold a sign, bring a sign, bring your kids, bring your pets. It'll be a good time. Yep. So we're right down to the end of the hour. Some final comments uh, from Will Roberts and Sarah Larson. How do we sum up? I think it's interesting that the company wants to gamble with its reputation at this time. Um, it doesn't really set the tone when you're trying to reinvent yourself, in my opinion. Uh, it might make everyone wonder, perhaps, if True Stage really can be trusted, and it might make all those credit unions that served as the lifeblood of the business for almost a century to start wondering when the other shoe is going to drop on them. Um, and so I would recommend that the company wakes up, gets back to the bargaining table, and makes a deal. And I recommend anyone listening to come up there and help us. Sarah I'm not sure that I can improve on that, but at the rally, at the Strike Ready rally the other day, my 12-year-old daughter stood up and said, uh, CUNY Mutual Group is changing their name to True Stage. Um, if, they, if they want people to trust them, they need to start treating their workers fairly and stop breaking the law because if your workers can't trust you, nobody can. So I don't mean to upstage you with my 12 year old daughter. Will, she but. did amazing at that rally. That was so, so cool to see. You've been listening to Sarah Larson and Will Roberts, both activists uh, with OPIU local 39 at CUNA, CUNA mutual uh, in, well, in, preceding the strike called for tomorrow. I want to thank Chuck, who engineered today, and Jade, producing. And I've been your host for this hour. My name is Alan Ruff, and I'll be speaking with you next week, hopefully without a frog in my throat. <laughs> thank you all.